Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. everybody it's tuesday february 6th 2024 welcome to the nfl fantasy football podcast where we are waterlogged it's me your man mg marcus grant joined by michael f florio uh no laquan jones today he is believe it or not uh having to do his job boo uh laquan if come you on don't know. jack I know, right? Laquan is a researcher uh, for NFL media, and it's been fortunate that for most of this offseason, his schedule has worked out where he's been able to uh, be on our pod when we record. But uh, this week, they have him actually working in the middle of the day. Weird. Uh, (laughs) Doing his research (laughs) job uh, with the Super Bowl coming up in just a few days. I mentioned at the top, uh, it is waterlogged. I know for the rest of the country, I know like hearing us complain about our LA weather is probably like getting sort of eye rolls, but we have had historic amounts of rain. Where you are, uh, is everything okay right now? Yeah, everything is good. Uh, I, we've lost power before when it there's perfect weather out. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was like, we are definitely losing power this storm. And luckily, everything has held up great, but... Uh, I don't know if this is happening to you, Marcus. They must be talking about this L.A. rain across the country because I've had family members from yeah. all different parts of the country <laughs> texting me like, hey, are you OK? I hear it's really bad weather by you. And I'm like, it, it's rain. Yeah, I you know I've gotten I got texts from a buddy in D.C. I got texts from a buddy in the, the Dallas area uh, asking me about it. And yeah, it is it is certainly more rain than we are accustomed to. I think I saw that some places got about an inch in the last 24 hours, which uh, I can't compare to other places. But I know that Los Angeles is not built for that. And now we have the added uh, danger of mudslides, houses falling down hills and that sort of thing, uh, flooding along the streets. So uh, if you are in L.A., stay safe, stay dry. Uh, for the rest of you, yeah. you know, we get to experience what winter is like out here in Los Angeles. And um, I will say this after a couple of days, uh, the city sort of like a Billie Eilish song. It's kind of hip, but also sort of depressing. That's uh, kind of the way I look at it right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, enough of that. Uh, we are a few days away still from the Super Bowl and trying to figure out what we were going to talk about for today's show, because it's not like we can really stretch out. Super Bowl preview over two shows. I mean, I guess we could, um, but it would get really granular. And I don't think anybody wants that. So we actually are in the midst of doing a slow mock draft. We are in the middle of round three. Figured this would be a good time to talk about the first couple of rounds. Uh, so we'll kind of dive into that. But first, I want to start with a few headlines because we've had a couple of coaching hires since we last spoke to you. Uh, one in Washington, where they've already hired uh, Dan Quinn as their head coach. In fact, uh, according to my Twitter timeline, I believe the press conference is uh, happening right now, or recently just happened, actually, I think. Uh, Anyway, the point is, they have also hired Cliff Kingsbury as their offensive coordinator. They'd hire Joe Witt Jr. as the defensive coordinator to go along with that. But uh, we are more interested in the offensive side, obviously. 
So when you look at this hire, I mean, Cliff did not have a great run as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, sort of uh, vanished for a little bit, then resurfaced at USC as the quarterback's coach, uh, working with Caleb Williams, which me and a lot of other people assumed was a chance for him to sort of rehab his uh, reputation and get back to the NFL. It worked. So when you look at this hire, though, in D.C. with Cliff Kingsbury coming there, is his job to unlock Sam Howell or because the commanders have the number two overall pick? Does this mean a quarterback, say Drake May, for instance, is coming to the nation's capital? Yeah, I I am of the mindset that Sam Howell, you, you had a fun year. You were good for fantasy. Real life purposes, you left a lot to be desired. Led the league in sacks and, and interceptions. Um, look, he's a quality backup. Maybe he could be like have like a Garner Minshew type of career. But if you're the Washington Commanders, you're sitting there with the number two pick. Uh, do your homework. Find out if you like Drake May, if you like Jaden Daniels. Whoever is the quarterback that you feel best about, that is who I think will be taking snaps for the commanders under Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, it was pretty funny because Drake May and Sam Howell were out at a UNC basketball, the UNC Duke game over the weekend together. And I was like, oh, Sam Howell hanging out with his replacement. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think either way, this probably means we're going to get a lot of running the ball in Washington. When Kingsbury was a, in charge of the uh, Cardinals offense for those four years, top 10 in rush attempts, yards, and touchdowns twice, just top 10 in passing yards once. So uh, I don't think his offense is as good as it got hyped up to be when he first came to the Cardinals, but I don't know if it's as bad as everyone is making it out to be now. I think it's probably somewhere uh, in the middle, but yeah, I, I think the new OC, the new head coach, and we'll get a new quarterback in Washington as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting it to be a, a whole reboot there and you know Sam Howe we appreciate what you did for us this past year but you're probably going to go to the bench um that is awkward I I wonder (laughs) how much of this they talked about (laughs) hanging out over the weekend um like hey man you might be coming to take my job like uh (laughs) that's that's gonna be weird You, you talk about running the football though right and uh, Drake May did quite a bit of running during his time at, at North Carolina. Uh, two years ago, 2022, ran for nearly 700 yards that season, uh, had just about 450 this past year. So can definitely run with the football. I'm very interested to see if they sort of try to use him the way they used Kyler Murray. Because as you mentioned, I think there was a lot of hype and excitement about the Cliff Kingsbury offense when he was with the Cardinals and it just never really materialized the way you thought it would. I mean, I I look, I was going back and looking at it his first year there, they ranked 16th in scoring offense overall 13th, 11th, 21st. So they're just sort of a middle of the pack team uh, in terms of scoring offense for a lot of those years. Now, as you mentioned, they ran the ball fairly effectively. Some of that had to do with the quarterback, right? Um, Yeah. Three, three out of the four years, they were a top 10 rushing offense. But, you know, three of those four years, they were a below average passing offense. So, uh, you know, I'm I don't know what to think about it. I don't know that I'm super excited about what this offense can be. Uh, I guess for our purposes, is it just about trying to unlock Terry McLaurin? Because right now he's the one guy that I think we're sort of all kind of in on. We just need somebody that can get him the football consistently. Yeah, I, I do. You know, I can never quit uh, Terry McLaurin. The the only concern I have now, though, is a lot of 
unknown with him. We're, we're going to have a new quarterback here. So, and we saw last year, like you would think, okay, a new quarterback lock in on Terry McLaurin and get him the ball as much as you can. That wasn't the case though. And that hasn't been the case with every commander's quarterback since Terry has been there. Like Alex Smith <laughs> uh, and him had rapport, but Carson Wentz and him didn't and, and Sam Howell and him didn't. So uh, it, it it adds some unknown there. And I, I've seen in early drafts that Terry's going as like a wide receiver three. And it's just kind of like he was last year. And I think that's the right place for him to go because the upside is high enough where he can outlive those expectations. But there's a lot of unknown there with the new play caller, a new quarterback, all of that, a new head coach. Are they going to run the ball a lot? I think Brian Robinson is a sneaky pick uh, on this team because, like we said, Kingsbury likes to run the ball. Rookie quarterback probably going to try to take a little bit off of his plate. And I'm guessing Dan Quinn, the defensive mind, even though his Atlanta team's through a lot, I'm guessing with a young quarterback, he's probably going to want to try to rein that in a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I know they did sort of run some air raid concepts, at least they tried to. And I don't know that they have the receivers really to do that. They've got McLaurin. I know we like Jahan Dotson. Um, you know, I, Curtis Samuel, I don't I don't know where he fits in in this offense going forward. So I, I think they're going to have to really change some things up unless they make some really big additions to this offense in the offseason. But um, we'll sort of figure this out as we go along, as, as they go through free agency and the draft and see what pieces they add. Um, can we buy back in on Antonio Gibson, or is that done? No, it's over with. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think Brian Robinson's the lead guy, and even more than that, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they brought in another running back in the draft or something like that. Yeah, I was just wondering if maybe they would try one more time to make it work, but but you're probably right. I think it's probably a wrap uh, for, for Antonio Gibson there, as a, as, at least as a significant piece uh, in the Washington offense. Um in Las Vegas, it looked for a moment like Cliff Kingsbury was going to go there, going from one desert city to another, from Phoenix to Las Vegas. But uh, instead, the Raiders are expected to hire former Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze as their next offensive coordinator. So my question to you is, does this mean Justin Fields soon come to the desert? Uh, I think there's a good chance. And I will say, even uh, when we thought for that one day where we thought it was going to be Cliff Kingsbury there in in Vegas, uh, I was kind of saying like, hey, this guy has experience with mobile quarterbacks coaching Kyler Murray. To me, both of those hires kind of indicate that the Raiders have a an idea in place that they want a play caller who has experience dialing up plays for a rushing quarterback. Um, so. Yeah, I think they are going to be big in on Justin Fields. I think they make a lot of sense. I think the Falcons make a lot of sense. There's other teams that could as well, but I think those two in particular kind of stand out. And the thing about Lugetsi, and obviously this is heavily Justin Fields skewed, in his two years as an OC, uh, they finished top two in rushing attempts and rushing yards both years. Uh, meanwhile, in pass attempts... They, they were never in the top half of the league or anything like that in yards and all of that. So I think uh, I think that we're going to see a lot of running the ball uh, in Vegas. I think that makes sense when your head coach is is defensive minded, when you bring in someone like Marvin Lewis to kind of oversee things a little bit. So I'm anticipating a lot of running the ball. And, yeah, that, that Justin Fields connection now is naturally there for a team that I anticipate being pretty heavily involved in the Justin Fields sweepstakes. And we talked earlier uh, about free agents, and I think we both came to the conclusion that Josh Jacobs staying with the Raiders kind of made the most sense. 
Justin Fields, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams. You've got a pretty solid big three right there where you mentioned the the Bears were not a very pass heavy team under Luke Getze, but they would find a guy to try and get him the football. Um, Devontae Adams obviously is going to be that guy. I think that makes it a little bit scary, you know, for a Jacoby Myers type, somebody like that. But I think you can see Justin Fields moving the ball. You can see a lot of Josh Jacobs. And if they're going to target one guy, it's it's going to be Adams. Um we want simplified offenses. Luke Getzey could potentially simplify this offense uh, for the Raiders this this year if uh, if that's what they decide to do with Justin Fields. I think that's sort of one of the big dominoes that we're waiting to see what happens with, right? I mean, the expectation is that the Bears are going to move Justin Fields, are going to take Caleb Williams uh, at number one. And so I think we're all kind of waiting to see what happens where Fields goes, because that determines, I think, a lot of things in the draft order and what a lot of other teams do in terms of their quarterback decisions uh, that they have to make this offseason. One other headline that doesn't have any immediate fantasy impact, at least I don't believe so. Um, you see Le'Veon Bell says he wants to come back to the NFL, but is only interested in playing for the Steelers. Uh, my question is why? Not why play for the Steelers. I get that. What, why, why, why does he want to come back? Why would anyone be interested in having him come back? Uh, the, the second question, I don't, think, I don't think any of the 32 NFL teams would be. Um, the first question is probably the answer, at least, is probably money. Uh, he's he's <laughs> prize fighting and stuff like that. Uh, I, I know he's he has a rap career and all of that, but uh, I would like to see Le'Veon Bell not play a full season or anything like that, but maybe just come back, sign a one day contract, retire as a Pittsburgh Steeler or something like that. But yeah, his his days were behind him when he was still in the NFL. Now years removed from it. I, I don't think that's changed. I mean, I feel like the last time we saw him in the NFL, I'm looking at it. He split he split time in 2021 between Baltimore and Tampa. Uh, he ran for a grand total of 101 yards. He had the missed season and was really just never the same player after he sat out the 2018 season. Uh, you know, bounced around the league, uh, just never really stuck in one place. In fact, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't that when he went to? Uh, <laughs> he went to Kansas City, right? And he said the reason he was signed with the Chiefs is because they weren't going to play him a whole lot. I, I, yeah, I, I, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was the reason he signed. He's like, yeah, I want to go. I had a chance to win a ring, but somewhere that's not going to you know, put a whole lot of miles on me or, or use me a whole lot like that sort of tells me everything about where he is. And I'm not mad at it. Look, I'd sit here if I could you know, win a Super Bowl ring with minimal effort. Uh, I would probably want to do that, too. So I'm not mad at it. But, uh, you know, this is also not a guy that I'm really trying to bring back in <laughs> to, <laughs> to be on yeah. my roster. I completely uh, I'm looking at his stats right here and he was really good, but it was like three seasons. Yeah, yeah it was a really short window. I mean, he he was he was you know, arguably the best back in the league or one of them, certainly for a number of years. But it was a very short stretch when you look at it. 2014, he was hurt most of 2015 and 2016, 2017 was amazing. But that was kind of it for him. I know that he often is the whole like, look, running backs don't matter. The Steelers, they they let Le'Veon Bell sit out a year and James Conner was awesome. And it's like, OK, but James Conner is awesome 
years later. Like he's not your <laughs> traditional backup. So maybe maybe we don't use this one as the the go to example. Well, and it sort of cuts both ways, right? Because Lev Bell's argument, the reason he ended up sitting out an entire season, was because. At that time, he was getting 100 targets a year, right? And he was he was catching 70, 80 balls a year. And his argument was, well, I'm one of the top running backs in the league. I'm also one of the top pass catchers, uh, certainly on this roster, and I want to get paid like both. And the Steelers were like, nah. So he ended <laughs> up sitting out a year, eventually left and, and went to the Jets. And where careers go to die. Never, right? That didn't work out and nothing else really worked out for him. It's wild because so that first year in in New York, he had 1,200 scrimmage yards, never got to 500 yards again the rest of his career, only played two more seasons, just never did anything at that point. Uh, So I don't know. This feels like sort of idle chatter for a guy who probably is a little bored and probably, you know, would like (laughs) it, would like a big paycheck. Wouldn't we all? Is there anybody out there that's retired that you would be like, I want to see this guy come back and play again? Like reasonably, right? Not, yeah, we all like to see, say, Barry Sanders or something, but like somebody that reasonably could come back and maybe have something left. This window might be closing, but ever since Calvin Johnson hung them up, I've been, I've been wanting him to come back and, and kind of just one final year. Uh, Andrew Luck is always the big, the mm. biggest what if. Like mm-hmm. I, I would love to see him just try to suit up now and and come back. Besides that, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, I would love for Todd Gurley to get like a farewell game, just like one game <laughs> late in the year or whatever like that. But besides that, no, I kind of think a lot of guys they go out when the time is right. Like yeah. not many of them have much left. I would love for Todd Gurley to get like you know knee transplants. And, and have him come back and look like the guy who was uh, just a monster early in his career. We haven't seen a lot of guys recently retire early, probably not since Calvin Johnson or anything like that. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with it. I think there's there's a lot of guys. It's like, all right, I think I think we saw the best of you. Um, and maybe it's time to just kind of let it go at that. Tom Brady, if he came back, would you care? Uh, <laughs> is, he come back for the, is he coming back for the 49ers? Sure. Then, yeah, sure. If you came back for anybody else, no, I would not care. Um, I'd be like, we've done this twice already. We've already done We've done two farewells for you. Like, I'm not doing this again. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think I would care. <laughs> and if you came back for the 49ers, I would care because, like, then you have a controversy, right? You've got, you've got Brock Purdy, who helped him get to the NFC Championship last year, has them in the Super Bowl this year. Um I mean, yeah, he probably sits for Tom Brady, but, you know, <laughs> but like, let's talk about it. Right. I mean, we're talking about a 45, 46 year old man. Oh, one other thing I actually want to ask you about your guy, Kadarius Tony. Have you seen this um, that he thinks he's a number one receiver? Ah, oh, man, I, I've we've talked about this off air a lot. I, I've. I forget who said it, but someone once on Twitter said that Kadarius Tony is all tools, no toolbox. And that's my new favorite way of describing. Like, the reason I loved Kadarius Tony as a prospect was because I watched this guy do stuff and I was like, oh my God, he is the closest thing to Tyreek Hill that I've seen on this Chiefs offense since Tyreek Hill has left. And I thought that would translate. I, I can't get in the head of people and. And if I could, I would have avoided this from the start because <laughs> no one has hurt themselves more than Kadarius Tony since he's came into the NFL. I mean, just in so many self-inflicted wounds 
by Tony uh, on field, off field, what have you. He just he can't seem to get out of his own way. But I do respect the confidence that uh, I said, you know, if he, is he a number one receiver? And he says, yeah, if I get the ball. So he won't uh, even be out there. Mahomes yeah, but does I, not trust him. I, I, I respect the confidence. You know, we should all we should all believe in ourselves the way Kadarius Tony believes in himself. So there it is. <laughs> um, anyway, take a quick break and come back. We're going to dive into this mock draft a little bit. Rounds one and two. Just uh, our thoughts, our takeaways from it. Um, yeah, we'll probably dive into this more as we get further along in this draft. But uh, a good way to start here. We'll do that coming up next on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. So it's February. The Super Bowl is still a few days away. We figured, why not do a mock draft and uh, start looking at 2024? So we gathered some of our friends from inside and outside the building uh, and are doing a 12 team, uh, basically a, a one quarterback redraft, just a basic fantasy league, right? No, uh, you know, no, no frills, no tight end premiums or super flexes or anything like that. We are being basic bees. Uh, early. And I'm OK with that. I'm, I'm actually just fine with doing these sorts of mock drafts. But we are in the middle of round three. Troy King, if you hear this, you're on the clock. Um, and wanted to kind of dive into the first couple rounds of this. So uh, running through the first round here, uh, Christian McCaffrey, the 1.01. I guess I'll just ask is, are you cool with that? Yeah, yeah, I. I I'm okay going wide receiver there too, but Christian McCaffrey is the best player in fantasy. All right. So that is where Matt Okada went. Uh, I, I think I'm fine with it too, especially you talk about positional value. There is no one right now at the running back position who comes close to what McCaffrey offers with the 49ers. So you are getting, you know, not only one of the best players, but certainly the best running back off the board at number one. Uh, pick two, CD Lamb, pick three was Justin Jefferson, pick four, Tyreek Hill, uh, Jamar Chase. You take Jamar Chase at five. Uh, Troy King takes uh, Amon Ross St. Brown at six. So after McCaffrey goes off the board, we get five straight wide receivers. Um, yeah, Callie's excited about it. Um, anything uh, with the order there? D- does the order bother you? It-, it seems like you can kind of throw these names up in the air and they'll land any which way. And it seems like it's OK. Yeah, that's exactly my thinking with it. And Callie is certainly fired up about these wide receivers. Um, <laughs> I, I had picked five and I was like, I'm taking a wide receiver. I'm not sure which one. But uh, yeah, I think we talk about it a lot when there's a group like this. Like I like CeeDee Lamb and Tyreek Hill the most out, out of out of this group. But these names, if you, if you wanted to sell me that Amon Ross St. Brown is better or something like that, you're not going to get an argument out of me. Yeah, I mean, I I would say this of that group. I think Amon Ra and I, you know, you know how I feel about him. I still think he is probably the last in that group. Uh, I, you know, I, I think Lamb, Jefferson Hill, Chase. You could probably put in nearly any order, and I'm okay with it. Amon Ra coming in in the last part of that group. I think I'm fine with. Uh, at that point, uh, after Brown goes at six, Bijan Robinson at seven. This is our pal and producer Hytham Kalani makes that move. Does he go? Does he go this high if there isn't a head coaching change in Atlanta? No, not not even a chance. I would say. I, I think uh, the fact that not only there's a change in head coach, but Zach Robinson connected to the Sean McVay coaching tree, a lot of success with the running backs there, and particularly a lot of success with 
the, the giving up a large majority of work to the lead runners. So we know how good Bijan Robinson is. He just needs more opportunity. Uh, and he could be, he's a dual threat. He could catch the ball, all of that. So yeah, I, I, I think I would have considered a, a different running back over Bijan first, but yeah, Bijan could go as high as RB2, and I don't think it's the wrong answer. Well, I suspect I know which running back that is. I didn't take him. I went A.J. Brown at number eight. Um, I would say that sitting at eight was not a fun spot to be in because... You know, you've got some okay, you got some good running backs, you got some pretty good wide receivers, and it just felt like there was nobody that I just absolutely loved at an eight, but AJ Brown felt like a good spot right there. Uh, you know, Kellen Moore coming in as the offensive coordinator there in Philadelphia. I expect they're going to be very creative with what they're doing, throwing the football, that maybe AJ Brown could sort of uh do a little bit of what cd lamb did in the second half of the season so i i took him at the 1.8 uh the 1.9 i assume i assume Brees hall is the running back that you were talking about as the number two guy there yeah because he finished as the rb2 this past season and i know a lot of that you could say Bijan, like the coach and all of that but Brees hall did it in a year where uh, in the first month or so of the season, he was getting limited touches. He didn't have his usual burst. We didn't really see that until uh, like week six, seven. He had that huge game against the Bills, but that was like three touches. Uh, and then after that, he didn't look himself again for another month or so. And then he did it also without his quarterback there too. And that naturally just means defenses are putting a lot of more, a lot more attention on Brees Hall in the running game when playing the Jets. So yeah, I, I think if anyone. Look, I, I mean, Bijan can as well, but if anyone can give, say, uh, CMC some competition for that RB1 spot, I think it is a healthy year removed from surgery, Brees Hall. I think so. I mean, the way he finished the season, the way he played with that that quarterback situation there with the Jets uh, and still put up numbers and hopefully they get a healthy Aaron Rodgers for the majority of the season. So I, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited uh, about Brees Hall. I know like late in the year, I think I was, you know, I don't know, in my feelings and, and overreacting and saying, oh, Christian McCaffrey's going to be the only first round running back. But then when I stopped and took a breath and stepped away and looked at it. I was like, no, there's there's a couple. And Brees Hall is for sure one of them. Now at number 10, and this one was interesting to me, Um Bob Harris, the very esteemed Bob Harris, who we all love here, he goes Puka Nakua at 10. And it surprised me, not because, you know, Puka's not good. Uh, one, Puka going ahead of Cooper Cup, a little bit of a surprise. And I tend to be very skeptical. And I know this doesn't always work in fantasy drafting, but I tend to be like, okay, that was really great. Can you do it again? And I don't know that, Puka does exactly the same thing again next year, especially if he has a, hoop, a healthy Cooper Cup all season long. Um, that surprised me. Like, I, I don't think it's a terrible pick. It's just I didn't expect it this early. I don't know how you feel about it. I think that Puka late first, early second round pick is where he's going to go next season. But and and I love you know, I loved Puka Nakua coming into this year and all of that. But. Yeah, to your point, I would not be surprised if he does not like he could have a very good season next year and fall short of what he did this past year. I mean, uh, over 100 catches, almost 1500 yards like if next year that becomes 85 and 
1200 or 1150 something like that that's still a great season but is it worth a top 10 pick probably not so uh i i kind of see both sides of this i'm pretty happy that we get a lot of time before drafts actually start counting because i have to kind of fully decide how I feel about Puka, but late first, early second is where I expected him to go. I will say this was my first mock for next year. And obviously a lot is going to change in the next couple of months. But as of today, uh, being in the first six picks seems a lot better than being in the yeah. second half of drafts. <laughs> yes. I would say that for me, like I said, being at eight was like, I don't like this. I don't like what, you know, the options I have to choose from at eight. Uh, I think you get to six, and you're feeling really great. After that, you got a lot of hard choices. Um, so Puka goes at 10. Uh, Laquan takes Jameer Gibbs at 1.11. He actually left us some notes. So uh, he was, you know, he couldn't be here in person, but he was certainly here in spirit. Uh, we get back around his second pick and we can kind of dive into his thoughts a little bit. So he goes 111. Garrett Wilson at the 1.12. Have ever... Have you ever seen in your lifetime two Jets off the board in the first round of a fantasy draft? Two Jets and almost two lines. Like it, it feels, <laughs> oh, actually, no, two lines. Yeah. Yes. It, it, we're living in the upside down right now. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got two Lions, nearly three Lions, uh, two Jets in the first round. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. Uh, Garrett Wilson, though, not a surprise. Joel Smith takes him there and then backs it up with Travis Etienne. Which is another one. I, I I liked ETN. I think what he did this past year certainly warrants him moving up to the top of the second round. But I would not have anticipated him coming off the board ahead of Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley. Uh, I mean, I just it, it's I don't think it's a bad pick. It's just as a surprising pick for me. Can he do it again in a Jacksonville offense that uh, at times didn't seem to, to have some consistency? I don't know. I think it's fair to question, and and like you, I think ETN deserves to go in the second round. I mean, ran for 1,000 yards this year for second straight season, but was more used as a pass catcher, which is what we really wanted to see, and even got the goal line work as the year went on. But there was just some other running backs that were still there, like, like Jonathan Taylor, like you said, who I would have taken over Travis ETN. And and the Garrett Wilson pick, not – look, Joel. Joel is a very smart – uh, he's a researcher. He's, he's really smart. So this easily could very much so work out, but I, I feel the same way kind of about Wilson as, as Puka and, and ETN. Like I, we know the talent is there, but I think there's a lot of question marks as well, because Aaron Rodgers going to be 40 years old coming off of an Achilles injury after coming off of an already down season the year prior. So uh, I really like Garrett Wilson, but I think uh, I there's just some risk there tied to him, which, again, would make me much rather have one of those receivers in the first half of the draft than the second. Yeah. Um, so ETN goes top of the second round. Uh, then Laquan comes back and he takes Sam Laporta. So uh, I'm just going to read what he wrote. Double tapped in Detroit. Uh, Jameer Gibbs at the 111 back into the first round with Ben Johnson returning feels like a steal. He's a top five running back next season. PPR upside. And since week seven, which is when David Montgomery got hurt, he was fourth in routes, ran sixth in targets among running backs. Then Sam Laporta 
at uh, the 2.02, the new tight end one in Dynasty and redrafts. He says, move over, Travis Kelsey. Uh, elite talent with a huge red zone presence. Top five in red zone targets. Most red zone receiving touchdowns among tight ends uh, and touchdowns being key. Because, yeah, man, touchdowns are the whole name of the game there. So, wow, three Lions off the board in the top 14 picks. Never would have imagined it. <laughs> it's hard to knock given how how their offense performed this past season. I, I love Sam Laporta. I think he's the tight end one. I will say I was a little surprised. The Jameer Gibbs pick I love late round first. I agree. Top five fantasy running back. I think he went properly where he should go late first because of all the receivers uh, that we could take over him. I was a little surprised to see like Laporta over Jonathan Taylor and some of those wide receivers, but I, I do think he is the tight end one. I just don't think I'm going to be pulling a tight end to the early second round this year. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to have to wait on tight end. I think, you know, and we'll see how this draft shakes out. But I think as we get a little further, I mean, Travis Kelsey's already off the board. We'll get to that pick in a little bit. But there are still some really good tight ends out there. Andrews is still there. Uh, Kittle is still there. Uh, we'll see what happens with Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard. And I think I think TJ Hawkins is going to fall just because that knee injury happens so late in the season. I don't expect him to be ready for the start of the year. But there are some really intriguing tight ends that I think you can wait until round four or five and still feel OK with maybe getting a guy there. Going to step away for a quick break. Stick around for more of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Bob Harris with the third pick in the second round comes back and he takes Jonathan Taylor at the 2.3. Uh, what do we think about Taylor and a healthy Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis this year? I, I think they he can be a top three, easily top five fantasy running back because we already know how good Jonathan Taylor is. We know how good Anthony Richardson is as a pure runner. Th th them two running the option, good luck. Like it, defenses are really going to have to choose. Do I want to, which one I have to try to sell out early to stop. So uh, I, I think Jonathan Taylor, I would say you could make an argument. He brings more upside with Anthony Richardson than at any point in his career. I think he absolutely does. Um, I think the idea of them running RPOs with, with Jonathan Taylor back there, if I'm a defense uh, that is scary to me and he had moments and I think it's just about him staying healthy, getting those opportunities and kind of just building that offense together um, you know, I, I think the, the potential is there. So right now he is the running back five off the board in our draft. Um, Nico Collins at the 2.4. I went Stefan Diggs at 2.5. Uh, and again, this just goes back to being in that eighth spot. Like I, I just I've, I've made two picks. I don't hate them, but they also weren't just immediate, like jump out and grab me sorts of picks. So I went Stefan Diggs there. Followed up, Hytham takes Josh Allen. So Bills back-to-back -back off the board. I'm going to ask you as the Bills fan here, is it all good in Buffalo? Are, are Josh and Stefan going to get along this offseason? Are we, are we going to be okay next year? I, I continue to be of the mindset I think so. Diggs' contract is insanely hard to move. Uh, and people keep being like, well, there's a post-June 1st clause where they could move on from him then. And I'm like, okay, you mean after every big name wide receiver has been signed or drafted and the Bills don't have money <laughs> to give them until June 1st? Yeah, they're not going to sell Stephon Diggs just to get rid of him. I think Diggs is one of those guys, Marcus, he likes saying words without saying anything. Mm -hmm. And it comes off like edgy and stuff like that. But <laughs> I think if you gave him some truth serum, 
even he would be like, he said it last year. He was like, I plan on retiring here. Like, I, I think this is just one of those things that the, he has, he stirs the pot a little bit and the media loves to run with. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I look, he is, he is sort of the quintessential wide receiver and that he's going to say things uh, that are going to stir up some controversy and maybe he means them. Maybe he does it in the end. I still believe he and Josh Allen are, they sort of need each other. They work well together and I don't see that changing at all. Um, so after Allen, Chris Olave goes followed by Kyron Williams. Now you took Kyron Williams, uh, at the two eight, any concerns that Sean McVay and the Rams bring in somebody else to kind of split opportunities with him? Yes. Uh, and that's why I'm happy. This is just a mock in early <laughs> February, but if they don't, like, if they go into next year and say Kyron Williams is going to be our guy, and yeah, maybe they add a running back like late in the draft or something like that, but if it is not someone that is going to take significant touches away, then I think Kyron Williams at at two eight would be a steal. Like, I would see, I could see him going in the late first round, around where like Gibbs win and that around the same group as like Taylor. Um, because the the guy last year was the RB two on on a per game basis and. McVay has a history of not only getting the most out of his running backs when he likes them, but force feeding them the ball as well. So just hope that Kyron doesn't pull a Cam Akers and eat eat McVay's breakfast or whatever it was that Akers <laughs> did to get in the doghouse. And if he is the guy next year, I think he could be a first round pick. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen that McVay would like to use if he finds a guy that he loves, he will find he will use him consistently. You know, we've seen in the past where maybe he wasn't in love with a guy, you know, Cam Akers, I think maybe the one that comes to mind immediately. And we saw some Daryl Henderson. We saw other guys kind of working in there. But Kyron Williams came in and made Akers expendable. They, they sent him away because they didn't need him anymore because of Kyron Williams. So hopefully that means they are OK with him being the lead guy there and that maybe they don't they don't really bring in any help. If it's anybody, it's just sort of like a veteran presence just to uh, kind of be insurance there for Williams. But that's one I think his ADP is going to fluctuate depending on what uh, what the Rams do uh, at number nine in the second round. Uh, Megan Martinez, who's uh, one of our producers here, she takes uh, Travis Kelsey. So Kelsey, the second tight end off the board, but still going in the second round. Uh, Michelle Majuk, one of our researchers, uh, taking Saquon Barkley at the 2.10, followed by Devon A. Chan. Um, so the A. Chan thing is interesting simply because obviously he was amazing when he was healthy. They still have Raheem Mostert there. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Raheem Mostert is going to have another 21 touchdown season, that he's going to, you know, be this big play guy like he was this year. But Florio, he is still upright and breathing and healthy and playing. That alone would seem to cut into what the potential is for Devon Achan next year. I can't imagine that all of a sudden Mike McDaniel is just going to toss Raheem Mostert to the curb and give all the work to Achan. That feels a little bit high to me right now. I get it. And I I don't hate the pick though at all. It is, it's certainly more risky than some of the other picks in this area because I agree with you. I don't think Mostert is going to fully go away, but I wouldn't be surprised if at his advanced age, because he's like 30, going to be 33 next year, I believe. Uh, 32. 32. Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it be more of a 50-50 split, or even if HN, what I really would hope for, and what you're hoping for if you take him in the second round, is that HN is the heavier side of a platoon, like 60-40, but... 
even if it's limited touches, like 15 touches a game, he is so explosive that he can be an RB, a top 10 fantasy running back because of, of the big plays that we're going to get out of him. The fact that he is such a good pass catcher as well. So I am really, really excited for Devon H. And I, I think I'm going, he's going to be one of those players that I'm going to rank as an RB1. Uh, and and I, I think should go in round two, but there'll always be a little bit of hesitancy there. If he goes in round three, though, sign me up. I, I'm willing to, to roll those dice there. Round three, I think I feel a little better. And look, I guess this is late round two, right? So it's not as though <laughs> it's not like it's a big stretch uh, to round three. I just, I wonder about, his efficiency. I mean, this is a guy who averaged nearly eight yards per carry last year. That's an insane number. And, you know, that feels really hard to duplicate, especially if he gets more touches. Uh, I think that that efficiency is going to be really hard to come by. But we know the upside is there. We know the explosiveness is there. I just, you know, I just wonder what the roles are going to be for Raheem Mostert. Yeah, I was going to say Jeff Wilson, but not really. Mostly Raheem Mostert. <laughs> um, last pick in the second round, Matt Okada finishes it out with Devontae Adams. Uh, we talked about what his future could be if indeed, you know, Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator and Justin Fields is the quarterback. Devontae is still a great receiver, right? The offense around him left some things to be desired, and I know it was frustrating, but he's still really good, right? I mean, we can still think of him as a top 10 receiver. That's not ridiculous, is it? No, I I mean, he was really good last year, too. It's just like his, like you said, his quarterback left a lot to be desired, and there was games like, believe it was the Christmas Day game against the Chiefs where they threw him the ball twice or something like that because they just had a lead and were riding Zamir White. So he is still awesome. And when they gave him the games where he would get volume, he would put up fantasy numbers. And he made up for that bad game with a huge week in championship week. Um, I, I just think that's kind of depending on who the quarterback is. Like if it's Justin Fields thrown to Devontae Adams, sign me up in round two all day. If it's I don't think it'll be Aiden O'Connell, but if it's someone like that, <laughs> uh, then I think Devontae will have another season like he did this this past season where it's up and down week to week, depending on game script and if they have to throw. I mean, quarterback has to be the main priority for the Raiders this offseason because it can't be Aiden O'Connell. I think they are. It didn't take long for them, I think, to get over the Jimmy Garoppolo experience. Um, yeah. At this point, I mean, you know, they're not going to go with Brian Hoyer. They have to do something, whether it is making a trade for Justin Fields, whether it's somehow throwing a big offer at somebody in free agency. Um, you know, they're not really going to be in a great position to get one of those game changing quarterbacks uh, at the top of the draft. Uh, and I think that's going to have a lot to do with that's going to have a lot to do with what the Raider offense is as a whole, but especially for Devontae Adams. So I think he's still going to go where he is. And, and he's right now he's wide receiver 12. Um, he goes there on talent alone, and then if the situation gets better, maybe he moves up a little bit. Anyway, that's uh, the first two rounds of our mock draft. It is in progress still. We are midway through uh, round three. I should probably be looking at who I want to take when it gets down to me. Uh, some of the other top names that are still out there right now. I mean, Cooper Cup, uh, Josh Jacobs is still there. T. Higgins is still there. I mean, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubbs are still out there. I expect that they're going to fall a little bit. Uh, in this draft, Jalen Waddle is still there. Um, we do have two quarterbacks off the board. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes does go in round three. Spoiler alert. Uh, so two quarterbacks off the board, but Jalen Hurts 
uh, still there. A lot of Lamar Jackson, a lot of the top quarterbacks still available there. So uh, going to be interesting. Um, and at this rate, uh, we may finish by, uh, you know, Memorial Day. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's enough of that. We'll be back on Thursday and we will preview Super Bowl 58. I don't know if you heard, but it's happening this weekend in Las Vegas. So uh, we will dive into the Chiefs and the 49ers, uh, give you our thoughts and uh, make some predictions for what we think is going to happen at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. But in the meantime, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe and healthy. Do good and live well. Stay safe wherever you might be. And we will talk to you again on Thursday.